Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Ladies, I hope you, you had an opportunity to come to our women's conference yesterday. It was phenomenal. Man, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the, I mean, it was just great and all the way around. And I really want to salute you ladies that made that happen. You guys are awesome. I mean, really, ever since the conference of yesterday, uh, Joe Campbell's been walking around trying to recruit people like, we men got to stand together. We got we to gotta have ourselves a conference, you know? So uh, we'll be putting a men's conference together just to keep up with the ladies. Uh, that's the old male spirit right there. Uh, so, but it was absolutely phenomenal, and uh, it was great to be a part of it. I had an opportunity to talk to her, Elisa, uh, 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 um, a little bit about. We had an opportunity to talk for about forty-five minutes about theology, and she just was rambling off so a bunch of stuff, really good, you know. But I left her alone for like thirty minutes in my office, and then came out. She came out when she spoke. She did an illustration using Legos. Okay, I'm like, oh, so I leave you in my office for thirty minutes, and you're going to try to pull the Lego thing on Crosstown? It's like, no, I've already done the Lego thing, all right. But she did an amazing job with the Legos. I mean, absolutely incredible. Her uh, scholarship, her uh, is just amazing. So I, I really think what we saw was an example that if you want to be empowered, don't wait for the world to empower you. Don't, don't wait for um, a political party to empower you, but rather get the word of God in you and you will discover the empowerment that heaven can give you. And so um, it was absolutely wonderful. Well, welcome to our series about being framed by God. And we've been, we talked last week about being framed by grace, like a photo being framed that through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, when we enter into relationship with God through Jesus, that there is this frame of grace that has already been put together by God. We are told that before the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. And I don't know, I mean, that's a kind of a Star Trek idea. It's like, how do I, how can he, you know, already create a space for me before even space and time has already occurred. I don't know how it, it, it works, but it does work. And that God already created a frame that our pictures can be placed in as a result of being in relationship with him. But one of the things I've, I've discovered that being framed by grace doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that you're beloved within his perfection. And, and that my picture is in his love. And that's why I love what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.5. And I don't know why. You know, I'm not a Bible belter by birth. I've been here for 37 years. And, and so I guess I'm as southern as some of you. But um, why there's all this emphasis on behavior as a Christian. And I'm not saying there isn't ethics. There are. There isn't, I'm not saying there isn't morals. There are. But I think we, we tend to judge people in, in the South or in the Bible Belt a little bit based upon if you, let, let, let's say that um, if you walk into some place and you see somebody from church and they got a beer in their hands, you know, um, I, I sometimes will find that judgment will go on, it will take place and something like that. Matter of fact, I was talking to a gal who uh, used to go here, she's moved away and she, she let me know today, we were just joking. She said, I just wanna let you know I, I'm Baptist now. And so I thought, oh, that's cool, um, you know. And she said, I'm Baptist now. I'm like, okay. Um, and I said, well, okay, well, then I just won't offer you a drink. And she said, well, I didn't sign anything. 
You know, so I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. Nothing wrong with being Baptist or Catholic or, or Pentecostal or anything like that. But I think a lot of times there's a tendency for us to think that just because we are framed in the grace of God that everybody should be perfect. But Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying about God and about ourselves, of who, and it deserves worthy acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Not I was chief, but I am chief. Meaning that I live in this perfect grace imperfectly. And we give, we can give that gifts to one another, that would be amazing. I mean, if God's given that gift to us, we should give that gift to other people. And I know what it's like to wake up and, and not feel worthy and not to feel good about yourself. And, and, and almost every morning, I don't know what your morning experience is. I'm not a spring chicken when I get up. I'm not like all happy about, you know, like this old Cinderella cartoon from Disney World where, you know, the, the birds are opening the, the curtains and the birds are going into the closet and pulling out my wardrobe and all that wonderful stuff. But rather, I tend to, my first thought in the morning is really dim. My, my first initial thought when I wake up is usually, oh, my back hurts, oh, this sucks. I can't, oh, I'm still me. Oh, it's me. You know, that, that, that tends to be my first morning thought. But I'm telling you, right on the heels of it is this verse that comes to us that Jeremiah wrote down when he said in Lamentations 3.22, because of God's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning, a fragrance of grace just kind of rolls into my life, no matter what I've done. And so maybe you're here. And, and I'm going to talk about a couple things, but maybe those couple things won't be important to you. Maybe you just need the fragrance of grace today. Maybe you woke up next to somebody you shouldn't have woken up next to. Maybe you've had a week that you wish to God nobody will find out about. You need to allow God to give you the, ga the gift of a, a fresh fragrance of grace today. So, so don't go through today's service wondering if you're measuring up or whether or not you're checking everything and it's like, well, sounds like I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. But rather, just allow, like, like the fog, I, I think of San Francisco, I just think about that fog that comes in off the water and rolls into the city. Just allow a fog of grace to just flow into your life today, no matter what last night looked like, what a half an hour of ago looked like. Allow God's grace to roll into your life. Um, so one of the things that I've discovered from being framed by grace is that there's safety in it and there's a restoration of value in it. And, and, and as a result of what God has done for me in creating that safe place with him, perfectly placed in imperfection, then it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel valued. So I look for ways to honor him. I don't live in order to be framed by God. I live because I have been framed by the grace of God. And, the, and, and you gotta make sure that you have these arrows pointing in the right direction because if you're trying to honor God so that you'll feel better about yourself, you'll feel better about God, and hopefully God will feel better about you, that's not Christianity. That's not what God's doing at all. But rather, I honor him because I've already been framed. 
And I'm going to erase, and I'm just going to say these verses again. I said them last week, but I think you need to hear them. In love, he predestined us for adoption for himself in Christ Jesus. You are of God's household. In him, we have redemption and forgiveness. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. God, being rich in mercy, even while we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. All that the Apostle Paul wrote about us in Christ. Before he says anything else, he just makes sure the first two chapters are about you understanding what you have been framed by, how amazing this grace is, how, uh, how safe this grace is. And then after he kind of lays all that out, he calls them saints, so you've been raised with Christ, you're seated with Christ, you're heirs of Christ, and it's like he's just telling them how awesome this thing is. And then after they all got it, and they're kind of like, then he says this simple word, Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Notice it's not an if. It's not reverse. It's not if you walk in a manner worthy of which you have been called, you will be framed by grace. God will like you. God will cause your apples to you know, grow on your tree and everything will work out just fine for you. No, it's therefore. See, a lot of us can't walk worthy of the calling because we haven't discovered that the therefore follows the grace. It doesn't cause the grace. You know, there's got to be a place where, where we're like screwing up and we're still safe. That's why people ask me, well, you know, can a guy who cheated on his wife be a Christian? There's got to be a place. I usually will answer the question, well, is there a place where gossipers can go? Uh, yeah. Well, then I think it's probably the same place. Is there a place where uh, um, covetous people can go? Yeah, yeah. Well, then it should be the same place. Well, is there a place where somebody struggling with their sexual orientation can go? Yeah, well, it's the same place. It's exactly, it's exactly, there's got to be a safe place where we start, where we can just know that we're loved by God, and then the therefore is born in that safe place. And I think we kind of got that wrong. Being raised Catholic, we definitely kind of got that wrong. You know, we're all about doing sacraments, making sure confession, and making sure we pray in the right direction. You know, there's a theological argument between whether or not you make the sign of the cross this way or you make it this way, whether or not you're Roman Catholic or you're Orthodox. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. You know, I can't even make the sign of the cross the right way. I'm going to hell for sure, you know? Um, do, do I pray in the name of the Father? Do I pray in the name of the Son? We, we have all these things like, well, will you baptize in the name of Jesus or will you baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? You know, it's like, will you dunk? Will you sprinkled? Oh my gosh, church is so screwed up. It's like, it's like we are saved by grace. So everybody just breathe. When we're in Christ, breathe. And then allow the therefore to begin to emerge out of your life. Therefore, lay aside the old self, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Therefore, put on the new self, which, is being, uh, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and the holiness of, of truth. Therefore, you were formerly darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord, walk as children of the light. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ has loved you. See, we need to realize that I, I am framed holy to live holy. I am framed love to live love. I am framed by God to live like Christ and I am framed in forgiveness for when I fail at doing all of it. That's how amazing this grace is. 
And that when we accept Christ as our Savior, when we declare him as Lord of our lives, we are placed into the frame of this amazing grace. So as an uh, amateur photographer, and I'm really giving myself a little bit more credit than I should by calling myself even an amateur, I have a camera, all right? Um, As a, a guy who has a camera, I know what it's like to try to catch the perfect photo. I, I look for that perfect photo and to frame it just right. Uh, put, setting up your tripod, making sure you got the right lens on, then making sure you have your, your F-stop set to the right thing and uh, ISO and all the things that go into trying to get the ready shot. And then all of a sudden something interrupts the photo. Something jumps in the photos, other movement. I mean, you're at Disney World and, and that, that crazy lady always seems to get in the way. And, 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 and then, you know, you're trying to do shots at your wedding and somebody rides by in a bike. And, and you know, all, all, it's funny when people get caught in your frame, how weird they act. I mean, it's like insane. There's Uncle Al. Yeah, Uncle Al, that's really where you needed to be with your Polaroid camera. And then, oh, that guy. Oh, man, that poor guy paid so much for that vacation and then all of a sudden have that guy step in it. Then there's a a bird just flying through the middle of that. I mean, it's like you work really hard to frame the perfect photo. This happened to me. Me and Susan spent oodles of money to to go to Jackson Hole and to, to see the sights and then to go to Yellowstone. Oh, Yellowstone. And the one pursuit I had had this high-tech camera, high-tech lens, high-tech tripod, everything. Um, and we found out where the buffalo were. And I waited for the buffalo. And, and so I stationed the camera and everything just right. And here comes this buffalo. And it decides it's going to cross the Snake River. And he's kind of like just buffalo in past, you know, I mean, through the water. And I didn't know they could do that. But they, yeah, he was just kind of going through. So I'm waiting like a half an hour for this, this loaf to get to the other side, you know. And it's like, I'm going to get this incredible picture. But just about the time he rides the other side, and you'll have to let me finish the story on this one, or otherwise you'll call me a racist, um, is a busload of Chinese people show up, okay? No, literally. They were Chinese. They were about 100 of them, and they were in a bus, okay? So these are all factual statements, okay? But what happens in China, apparently you don't take vacations like when you request a vacation. Regions get vacations, or or where they work will get a vacation. And you all take vacations and you pretty much all go to the same place. Well, I happened to run into the 100 Chinese people that decided they were going to Yellowstone, okay? I have my camera set up and it's perfect. I've got the buffalo. I've waited a half an hour to an hour and then I have to move. And I'm yelling at them in, uh, in English and, and they're just looking at me like I'm the nicest person in the world and I don't understand what they're saying. Well, this ends up being my, my greatest Buffalo picture that I have. Uh, yeah, uh, so this F-150 or 250 got in the way. Um, it, just imagine in your mind, a hundred Chinese people standing just to the right of this framing because that's exactly what was going on. They were all taking beautiful photos. So sometimes, no matter how you frame things, there's other framing going on. There's other people framing stuff in the same photo. And just because the setup was perfect doesn't mean that that photo doesn't get interrupted at times. And I've come to discover that I'm not just framed by grace. I wish I was, but I'm not just framed by grace. I'm framed by other things. 
And so when I think about framing, and I know I've been using art and photography uh, framing metaphors, but in my mind, this is really how I think about framing. It functions like that. See, we're, we're actually framed by a lot of different frames. There's a lot of things that, that define us. We're not just one thing. For instance, you are framed in a mind. Uh, you are framed in a body. You are framed within nature and the laws of nature. You are framed in a birth story. You are framed in a family. You are framed by the good or bad relationship that you had with your father or the knowledge that you may have had of your mother. You are framed in a gender. You are framed in ethnicity. You are framed in a culture. You are framed in a generation. You are framed in a profession, and you are even framed like in an economic system. And all these frames are imperfect, but all of us are more than just one thing. We are framed by a lot of different things. Then there are the other things that frame us that are more personal. For instance, for some of us, maybe we've been victimized, and so that begins to frame our lives. Maybe we're living with disabilities, failures, Rejections, divorces, addictions frame us. Maybe there are certain wins or losses that frame us. Maybe criticism frames us. See, this little video really isn't that weird because we all have different things that frame us. And even though that we are part of God's beloved, we are also part of other frames. And the challenge is going to be is which frame is going to have preeminence in our lives? Am I, am I white first? Am I male first? Am I a baby boomer first? Am I a veteran first? Um, am I over six foot first? I mean, what, what, am I Republican or Democrat? Is that first? Am I an American first? See, all those things are, I'm in, I have a frame of nature that I'm in, I'm in and that nature is 62 years of age. You know, so I am framed by my, I, I happen to be white, I happen to be like, like pasty white, like wicked white, um, and, but you know, and I'm framed by that. I happen to be male and I'm framed by that as well. And all of us, there are many things that may be true about us, but not all things are the most important truths about us. See, we're living in a culture right now that wants to break us up into our constituent frames. Okay, are you, are you for Black Lives Matter or against Black Lives Matter? Okay, boom, frame, boom, that's who you are. Oh, you're Democrat? <laughs> Framed. Republican? <laughs> Trump supporter? <laughs> You know, whatever, vax or non-vax, there's two little frames we can put you in one frame or not a frame. I mean, there's all kinds of things that the world wants to divide us up based upon these frames. And it's really important for us to understand which one really defines who I am and which one am I going to respond to the most because I am some of those other things. I may be white and I may be male, but is that really the core of who I am? Is that the best framing of me? And we're living in a culture where everyone is trying to control the frames that we live in. And um, uh, we're all trying to get in the right frame. You know, we're afraid not to be in the right frame. Or maybe we're trying to destroy other frames so that our frames will have value. 
There are even some of us that want to live unframed. We don't want science telling us what we are. We don't want nature telling us what we are. We don't want society telling us. We don't want God telling us. We don't want gender to tell us what. That, there, there are some of us that think that if we, if we could throw off all frames, then I will finally have framed myself in a way that I delight myself in. See, Paul was very aware of all these frames in his life. He was, he was aware that other people were framing him. You know, we do it all the time. I, I'm willing to bet, and we could call them biases, but if you look to the left or your right at somebody you don't know, you know, you'll immediately try to construct a frame. You'll, you'll look over and you'll see, oh, maybe they're the same color as you, or maybe they're younger than you, or maybe they're older than you, and you'll, you'll try to figure out, you know, um, you know, a frame. Like, there's Travis over there, and, and so um, let's see. Okay, he's, he's white, and he's, uh, what are you, about 35, 34, 30, up? Well, okay, well, I framed you real nice. Yeah. So, so I, you know, but all of a sudden, so I immediately what I'm throwing into his frame is a couple things. Uh, well, so he probably listens to uh, uh, Pearl Jam or somebody like that. I, you know, I could say because he's from that age group. Now you frame somebody in their 60s, so it's like, oh, yeah, he listens to uh, Boston or uh, Led Zeppelin or something like that. And, and, and we, all, we do it all the time. Got all the young guys here are framing all the young girls here. All the young girls are framing guys, and, 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 and it, we do it. It's part of where we are. But the question is, is what frame are we going to let define us? Paul was aware of his frames. He was framed in a Roman cell. He was framed as a societal disruptor. He was framed as a survivor of natural disasters. He's, his ship sunk about three times um, he was framed as a Jew. He was framed as a Roman. He was framed by this thing called a thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what it is, but he writes about imploring God to take a frame. I don't want to be here, God. And some of us are in frames we don't want to be in. Okay? And that's, that's really big. And, and, and he begged God, take me out of this frame. And, and he entreated the Lord three times to take away this thorn in the flesh. Don't know if it was a, a gut problem, didn't know if he had a, a, a habit or something, but it seemed to frame his life. And God said, listen, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient for you, meaning that there is a frame get greater than the thorn in your flesh. And that's what God wants us to learn. He was framed by living in an oppressed nation. You know, if, as an American that's been around since 1959, we were always the best at everything. I mean, we were the best. We won the Olympics all the time. We were first ones to the moon. I don't care how we got there. We were going to, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to win the wars. And I lived in America that was like the greatest nation on the planet. And now I live in America, and maybe some of that was exposed, that maybe it, we weren't as great as we thought we were. Maybe, maybe. I'm not ready to buy into it totally yet. But, 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 I, but I now know that I, we're in America that we're probably not the greatest in the world anymore. And it's like, dang, I've never been in a second or a third, you know, we're, we're not, we're no longer framed number one in education. We're not even in the top 25. I mean, I, well, yeah, but in mathematics, no, not, not, but in the sciences, yeah, not there either. But we're, but economy, eh, not really. Uh, but, but in health, no, we're not there either. It's like world power, we could kick anybody's butt. I don't know. The Chinese just flew uh, 77 supersonic aircraft into Taiwan space just yesterday. Uh, that's pretty impressive. You know, it's like I lived in America, and all, but all of a sudden you realize, whoa, wait a minute. 
you're going to need to define yourself by something other than just being a baby boomer veteran American. Is that because all the frames change around us? And Paul was in an oppressed nation. Israel wasn't number one. Rome was number one. So he was framed in oppression. He was framed by the emergence of Greco-Roman philosophy. All of a sudden, a new way of thinking about humans. Humanism was just exploding. This paganism and all this stuff was just emerging. Um, he was framed by physical suffering and torture. And he didn't pretend these didn't exist, but rather he focused and interpreted his life based upon the framing of God. And right now, I really think we're being, things are trying to force us to look at our framing. Well, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on that? Well, you know, um, I, I thought it was kind of funny that there are some people that will just not listen to me. I mean, I'm, look at me. I mean, I'm 62 years old. And um, I'm, a, I'm a dude. Do you know how hard it is to get people to listen to a 62-year-old dude in America, white dude right now in America? It really, we, we had that conference yesterday. It was amazing. She was amazing. She's brilliant. And, and all the ladies were here, and they were just like gobbling up every word that came out of her mouth. You know, and then she did the, the Lego thing. And I'm like, I, I did the Lego thing. And then, you know, then she did, you know, uh, uh, cosmological argument. Then she did the satirical argument. Then the ontological argument. And then she, you know, I'm like, well, I talked about that two weeks ago. I talked about that last month. And it's like, but all the ladies were gobbling up. It's like, why were they gobbling up? It's because, because this spoke in their frame. I'm not in their frame. And it's like, oh. But it's, it's like, no, that's okay. It's, it's understandable that... You know, you don't want me to talk to you about how to be a good woman. How, how, do I, how do I frame that? I mean, how do I? No, I'll tell you how I frame it. I bring my wife up with me to talk about it. But, but the thing is, is we all do it. We all operate in frames. So how do we, how do, we do that? I love what Paul says because he talks about the frames in his life. 2 Corinthians 4.16. He said, therefore, we don't lose heart. We don't just stop because we're white or black or 62 or male or female. He said, no, 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 we don't lose heart. We don't give up on life. He says this, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. So he said, no, just because I'm part of a, a framed system of nature that has entropy built into it doesn't mean I am totally defined by the decay of my body. He's like, no, 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 I don't lose heart that, you know, uh, you know society's not pro-white 62-year-old guys right now. It was our turn to experience what it was like to be rejected. You know, I get it. it uh, paybacks, um, you know, yeah. Oh, you're liking this way too much, Mandy. You're liking this way too much. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, but so what do you do if you're in a place, in a frame that's not valued? Paul says, stop looking at that frame. He said, don't lose heart in the middle of it. If you're black here today, don't, don't, it's not about being black. If you're white here, it's not about that. If you're poor, it's not about that. If you're rich, it's not about that. If you're educated, it's not about that. If you're, if you're uneducated, it's not about that. If you're divorced, it's not about that. That's a frame, but it's not. If you're single, it's, it's not about that. You know, it, it's, it's 
don't lose heart because yeah, there's a frame out here and that frame's not perfect, but inwardly, you, if you focus on Christ, you can be renewed day by day. That frame actually begins to radiate with beauty in it. But we, we, we live in a world where there's a lot of framing. I think it gets really tough for us because we believe when you hear me talk about and you hear the scriptures talk about that you are in Christ and all things work together for good and all those wonderful verses, I think a lot of us wrestle with the fact that there seems to be this dichotomy of life experience. If God is so good, then why is there so much evil? As if there can only be one frame. That if God, then life should be amazing and no evil should exist. If there is no God, then, then evil exists. As if there's only just one frame. And I think our expectation is, is that once you discover the love of God, that everything's supposed to be perfect in your life. It happened to me this week. Um, I, was, I was out for a walk. My, my back was killing me. I have three ruptured discs in my back. I dropped a car on me two years ago, ruptured two discs that they can't fix that are behind my heart. I was either risk being paralyzed or dying during the surgery. Uh, I've been told that you know if I pick up more than 20 pounds, it could paralyze me. Uh, they're pressing against my spinal cord, so I... So I have pain a lot, and I have limitations a lot. So I was out walking. I was angry walking because I woke up, and I'm just like, shoot. My, I had framed my life. I was going to be a 65-year-old mountain biker. I was going to, I framed my life at 65. I was going to be that guy that, you know, when he goes to the pool, he takes his shirt off. He's going to have all these ripped abs, and my muscles were going to be ripped. I can't even freaking pick up 25 pounds without being. And so God, God's saying to me, it's like, dude, you were framing this mountain bike, okay? First of all, it's like that frame did not die for you. That mountain bike does not give you value. You weren't really that good on that mountain bike after all. You've just framed it in your head that way. And so, so I was really angry with God. And he's like, listen, dude, you need to stop focusing on the things about your life that you don't like. And stop. don't let those three discs frame you. Don't, frame your, don't allow those losses to be the only things that speak into your life but rather focus on, though outwardly you're decaying, Paul, and I don't know why you didn't think that was going to happen to you. I don't, that was always part of the story. But inwardly, Paul, you're, you're, you're 62. You know me better. You're a better husband. You're a better father. You're a better friend. You know more about me. And you're going to mope around because you can't ride your mountain bike. And so God challenges every one of us about our framing, about what we're focusing on. I think most of the misconception of the Christian faith is that when you're framed by Christ, that the wind, the waves, the wolf, and the world will all bow to you. But it's not so. Alimony will still be due at the end of the month. Culture will still be drawing you away. Your schedule will still be yours to fulfill. Your disc will still be ruptured. You will still live in a world that is bifurcated into Republicans and Democrats. You will still either be white or black or male or female. And trying to change any of those framings will not change the core of who you are. See, we got a culture right now that's desperately looking to try to change the frames so that the story will go different for them. And it just breaks my heart.
You know, uh, but what Christ says about us in being framed by grace, that's the only frame that can empower us to live in the world that we live in. So we've got to determine the defining framing of our lives. In one of the most famous chapters of scripture, Paul talks about framing and the choices of focusing on the right frame. Which frame speaks most to you? Paul put the frames in their proper place. I love it. He was talking about this long before I came along. And he, it's just amazing when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit helps you discover what I'm wrestling with right now in the 21st century is exactly what Paul was wrestling with. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time, okay? I, he's like, no, there's suffering. There's evil. There's injustice. There's pain. Uh, there's illness. He says, but I consider, he's making a choice on the frames, that the suffering of this present time is nothing worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. It was like, wow. You know, Paul's like, instead of walking around being angry because you can't mountain bike, instead of walking around being angry because you got three ruptured discs, you know, instead of walking around because you, you don't have six-pack abs or because, you know, blah, whatever it is, he's like, no, I consider all of that nothing to be even compared to what God has framed in my life through Christ. See, some of us, we're depressed, we're angry, we're resentful, we're bitter, because the, the other frames are talking to us. The other frames are talking to us. Some of us have even tried to take our own lives because the other frames. Nothing, nothing can frame you like the absence of a father. And some of us were framed that way. Some of us were framed with a father, but we were abused by a father. Some of us were framed by a mother that was not present or gave us up. You didn't get to choose that, but that voice constantly speaks into your life and we all have to make the choice of whether or not we're going to make that our defining frame. Listen to what Paul says. What then shall we say about these things? It's like, oh, so what do we say about all the frames in our lives? He says, well, if God is for us, who can be against us? So he's determining the preeminent frame is that if I'm in Christ, well, the other frames, they're there, they're real, suffering is real, rejection is real, failure is real, addiction is real, all that stuff is real. It's just a fake Christianity, it's not a real Christianity at all that says that you shouldn't be having struggles in your life. If you're walking in faith, everything is just going to be rosy and perfect as long as you're walking without sin and with faith in your life. Oh, really? Really? No, here's what Paul says. Um, what should we say about these contradictions to our lives? Well, he says, well, if God be for me, who can be against me? He says, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Which one of these frames are you going to let lie to you about who you are? I know you're divorced. God, it's, God knows you're divorced. God knows you struggle with porn. God knows that you struggle with alcohol. God knows that you're, you, know, you struggle with whether or not you like men or women. 
God knows what, but the, 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 what's going to determine it is whether or not, which frame are we going to allow us, allow speak to us louder than the frame of God? And I love it what Paul says, let God be true and every man a liar. It's like, wow. It's like, yeah, it means I'm going to listen to what God says to me instead of listening to what you say to me or what myself says to me or even what my weaknesses that are real say about me. He categorically just, you know, what, what shall we say about these things? It's, it's kind of like Paul, and I think we need to do this sometimes, and it may sound a little kind of aggressive here, but there's a point when you just need to tell the rest of the frames to shut up in your life. Jesus had this habit. He would go around with the disciples. He would do some miracles. He would preach in, in the kingdom. And then he would tell the disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to need you guys to stay here. I'm going to go over here. And... Um, and I'm, I got to reconnect with my heavenly father. I, I need to talk to God. I got to have a God moment. There's a point when you just got to take your phone and you got to lay that frame because it's interesting. It's a frame and, and it frames the world for you and sends you via algorithms what it thinks that you want. You need to take that frame and lay it aside and, and you need to turn off the TV and you need to stop listening to the Fox News and CNN and all the things about, you know, somebody talking about you being the wrong color or the wrong gender or whatever it may be or the political party and all that noise and there's a point when you just got to say I'm going to need the rest of you to shut up and you get alone with God and like the apostle Paul you just renew yourself in the Lord God but what do you say about me it's like my right outside that door my wife is screaming at me but what do you say about me my responsibilities my world my culture is outside the door and, and they're saying all kinds of things about us. We can't control those frames. I can't control your narrative about me. I can't control America's narrative. Well, what narrative can I, can I decide about? The one that God has about me. And I have to choose that with all my failures, with all my mess-ups, with all my mistakes. You know, I mean, I'm one of the only divorced and remarried pastors in the city of Charleston. Why? is because a lot of churches are like, yeah, if you've been married before, you've pretty much been framed um, unusable. Like, really? Is, is there a Bible verse that supports that? Um, no, there's not a Bible verse, but we like to frame our pastors in perfection, you know? And it's like, oh, I haven't. Any church that frames their, their, their pastor in perfection has framed their pastor for destruction. Okay, because he can only from that point on fail you. So there's times when we need to tell the other frames to just shut up. He, he, he goes on this list of frames in his life. You know this verse, Romans 8.35, we've all quoted it. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or famine or persecution or nakedness or peril or sword? I, I actually took that list of all the, all the things I talked about, the different frames, and I actually could put them, these aren't just random things he's saying. These are categories. These are frames. 
You can put anything you experience into one of these categories. Nature, birth story, gender, culture, economics, political upheaval, victimizations, disabilities, rejections, failures, addictions, and criticism. Every one of those frames was rep represented. And he was like, listen, which one of these frames are you going to let separate you from the love of God? Why, you know, you know. So you struggle with your sexual identity. Okay. All right. But are you going to let that separate you from the love of God? So you struggle with your failure in the past or your mistake in your first marriage or, your, or whatever it is. But are you going to let it separate? You struggle with your, your three ruptured discs, Paul. But Paul, are you, going to, are you going to listen to that frame for the rest of your life? You're just going to be a guy with three ruptured discs? Those are real and they all affect us. And we're not a immune to it, but Paul chooses to be framed, to focus on the frame of Christ in his life. Listen to Paul's response to all those things in his life. After he lists about all the things that could separate him from the love of God, he said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's not like, oh, no, God's going to make all those things disappear. You won't have to deal with death. You won't have to deal with, with evil. You won't have to deal with sickness. You won't have to deal with... Wouldn't we all love that kind of Christianity? Oh, my gosh. I guess we just kind of have to wait for heaven. But until then, what do we do all that, all that contradiction? He says, no, in all these things, we live in those frames as more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all the creation will separate us. No other frame will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, man. So if you're here today and you're anxious about race in America, it needs to be dealt with. Don't get me wrong. But if you're letting that story, that narrative frame you, you may need to take a look at Christ again. If you're, if you're allowing corruption politically to frame your attitude, maybe you need to um, uh, put that device over to the side for a little bit. Maybe you need to listen a little less to Fox News and maybe a little bit more to what the scriptures are saying about you and about how you can be a conqueror. You know, everybody, uh, usually I, I hear will say, well, well, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. Well, America's screwed. Well, I mean, you know these kids these days. You know, uh, some kind of framing. And it's like, well, those are all great observations. But you know, in Christ, none of them are real. I mean, really, he said, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Yeah, they're out there in that sense, but they don't have to control your perspective about life. And so we need to restore, get back to focusing on the right frame for life. You don't have to wait for the change of your ethnicity. You don't have to get involved with changing your gender. You don't have to be involved in destroying the oppressor. You don't have to wait until your three discs are healed. But rather, you can have the focus of God in your life. Be more than a conqueror in the middle of all of it. So what is the benefit of being in Christ? Well, one, discovering the God of creation. What an incredible benefit. 
Being in Christ is rediscovering your life in the light of his love. It's like, man, it, it's like a new mercy that flows into my life every morning when my back hurts. I wake up about 4.30. I know you're sick of hearing my back. I'm sick of hearing about my back. And it's still with me. And I know I've got others that have got worse back problems than I do. But there's a fight going on to whether or not those frames are going to define us or not. And every morning, oh, my back wakes me up and I roll and I'm like, oh, it sucks to be me. All of a sudden, Lamentations falls into my head. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is your faithfulness. Even when I'm framed in suffering or failure or disappointment, and I tell you, it gets me out of bed every single day. There's the joy of knowing with confidence that all things will work together for good in your life. I'm framed in that. I know everything's going to work together for good in my life. And I know, and I have the hope, that it's not always going to be this way. Let me just say something that sounds a little technical, but it's very, very true. For those of you who are outside of Christ, this earth is the closest thing to heaven you will ever experience. This is, this is the best it gets. If you're in Christ, this is the best it gets. But for those of us who are in Christ, here's a different perspective. This is the closest to hell you will ever experience. It's like, really? Yeah, yeah, this is going to be the worst hell you'll ever experience. Because once you die and are framed in resurrection, oh, yeah, yeah. So just know this. In the middle of your back pain, in the middle of your broken marriage, in the middle of your hardships, in the middle of your race issues, in the middle of your economy, this is, if you're in Christ, this is the worst. So set your hopes on him who is above. That even though outwardly it's all decaying, inwardly it can be renewed if we focus on Christ. What will heaven be like? Well, we can experience some of it right now. It will be framed in joy and love and peace. The new heavens and the earth, new earth will be framed and will frame our resurrected bodies with perfection and with perfect rest. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to wait to die to begin to experience the same hope, the same joy, the same love. We have, uh, and, and I, I guess I can say this, uh, um, we have a youth in our church that just, I believe, two nights ago attempted suicide and is uh, holding on to her life right now at this moment as we speak. And it's like, well, how can somebody get there? We all can get there if we look at the wrong frames. When we look at what other people are saying about us, what our dad said about us, about our internal struggles are saying about us, if we allow that frame to get too loud, it brings us to the point of desperation. 
There is an epidemic worse than COVID in the United States. It's the epidemic of young girls killing themselves. It's happening more now than it's ever happened in human history. Say, so why does that happen? It's because I really believe the world has not done a good job framing kids, framing little girls, framing children, valuing their lives, that they, they've fallen victim to broken families and, and all that. And I've been a part of that. I've been a disruptor of that. It's like, well, where's the hope? In all these frames, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. In all these frames. So don't let your life experience frame define you. Don't let that be the voice that constantly screams in your ear. There are sometimes you just got to tell it, I'm going to need you to shut up and separate yourself from all the other people's craziness and get alone and listen to what God says about you. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. And Lord God, we pray for ourselves and we pray for the young woman because we are one, that we are all framed in Christ. We are all framed in weakness. We are all framed in hope, but we also have frames of despair. We are framed in the belonging of the body of Christ, but we are also framed in the rejection of a, maybe a broken home. Today, we pray that we would hear the voice of Christ in our lives, that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, that we are your beloved, that you have chosen us, adopted us, that we reign with you in all the craziness that's going around us and all the other frames that are circling our lives. We choose today that one frame that conquers all others, that we are your children. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. Let all the other frames, though they may be many, may they bow to your authority in our lives. Let me invite you in this moment to receive communion. Remind yourself that you are framed in grace.